The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. We are almost at the All-Star break. The Western Conference standings still make no sense. Then I don't know if they're ever going to make sense. Maybe we... But we keep we keep bringing it up and I keep wondering if it's going to sustain. But no. And also, for the first time all year, the Bruins have lost two games in a row (gasps) and they're heading into Carolina. Arguably the second best team in the league. They can see three. They can beat Carolina. We could see three. I'm not saying we can, but heck. Pittsburgh's proved that you can lose to anybody because they lost to the San Jose Sharks six to four. So, Uh. well, it's Pittsburgh. They're not the best team in the league, or or rumored to be close to it. (laughs) Hey, I've been I've been saying for months that this team reminds me more of the '09 season. Uh, where they ended up losing in the playoffs with Montador and Weidman on the ice uh, because they have these sloppy games where they just don't execute. Sloppy is not good. Um, But people keep telling me I'm overreacting, and guess what? Florida Panthers aren't a playoff team. Not not as currently um, situated. And the Bruins, coming out of a loss, couldn't get their heads out of wherever they might have been lodged uh, well enough to show up with even their A minus game. This was like, this was a B effort, maybe even a C effort. Their execution wasn't great. I mean, we had a shift where Taylor, Taylor Hall ran over Brad Marchand. That can't, that can't be good. I, I mean, they saw each other in just enough time to prevent it from being a bad hit. But Trent Frederick also got injured, and that turned even, even uh, Jim Montgomery's version of lines into, you know, mincemeat uh i think at one point i saw bergeron out there was like greer and poligno uh, polino really yeah well that's intriguing uh, apparently bergeron hasn't had enough line mates in his career he needed to add another one is he going after some kind of record <laughs> he you know honestly given the amount of time that I, he's played i thought it was crazy that had like eight thousand line mates i <laughs> Uh, between Krejci and Bergeron, I'm not sure there's any pair of centers who have actually had more line mates um, than those two. Fair enough. All that being said, and yet, <clears throat> wow, they still are a plus 81 in goal differential. I mean, we can. I mean, the best that can be said is they're really not losing. They're not getting blown out when they lose. But in the playoffs, it doesn't really matter whether you lose by one or you lose by 17. 
a loss is a loss, and four of them put you out of the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, four in one series, I should yes, clarify that. Quite frankly, if you go on to win a series, you know, the three, if you win a seven game series, that means you played three games that were probably unnecessary. Are we assuming, are we, I was going to say, are we assuming that of the, I mean, the playoffs are a different animal and, and yes, obviously they we'll are. talk more about it when we get closer, but you get, you run into a hot goaltender. I mean, I can't okay. say how many times hot goaltenders have. Hot uh, goaltenders make a outsized difference in the playoffs. I, I will never argue against that, but look at some of the goaltenders who have just stood up to the Bruins this year and won. There aren't that many of them. The games that they've lost, it's not like they're, it's not like they're losing to goalies who are in the top three. They're losing to middle of the pack guys. And that's not good. Middle of the pack guys. I'm trying to think of who they lost to. Well, let's see. They lost to Arizona early in the season. Ah, Carol Vamelka. That's right. He had an unbelievable night that night. They lost to Buffalo. Admittedly, Craig Anderson has had a really strong save percentage this year, but um, they've lost to. They've lost lost to Senators. The Senators, the Senators just outscored them. That was like a, what, seven or five night early in the season? Yes. That one, that one wasn't a goaltending thing. That was the Senators just outscored them. I don't necessarily, I, I mean, I put it on the goalies, but I put it on the goalies in a different light. That wasn't the other goalie outplayed us. That was both goalies were crap that night and they just outscored us Craig Anderson is Craig Anderson uh, Carol Vomelka better than everybody wants to give him credit for I, I understand what you're saying though it's not like we're losing to you know other Vesna hopefuls here yeah, I, there's really honestly at this point in the league are there even five goaltenders that you're willing to call elite or even great. Yes. I'm one. I, I, I said five. Are there five? Oh, can I come up with five? Um, no. Maybe two, three. And, and that's and that's my point. There's just not the quality of goaltender that inspires I mean, me to believe that goaltending by itself is going to turn a series this year. I mean, the thing the thing is you look at the you look at the goalie stats and I didn't want to make and I didn't want to want to make this about them. But yeah, there's save percentages are are up. I mean, you didn't have save percentages like this back in the 80s, 90s obviously. Save no, percentages not even are, close. I mean, the number of guys who have a better than 920 save percentage um, discounting like three of them because they've played in, or actually let's see, we'll discount five of them. But the top 14 all have save percentages above 920, 920 and above, excuse me. 
five of them have only played in one or two games. So there's nine goaltenders with 920 or better. You didn't have any goaltenders 920 or better. So when you say elite, what are we talking about here? I mean, compared to when? Uh, I would say even compared to five years ago or seven years ago, would you? Okay. Hop in your time machine, set the... Set the uh, time for uh, 2011. Are there five goaltenders in the league right now who you would take over Tim Thomas, Pecorine, Hendrik Lundqvist, um, and Carey Price in 2011? The answer? No. No. Because A, Omar hasn't done it consistently enough. Ottinger is still young. And I want to see a little bit more out of him. But no, I get again. Yes, I get what you're saying. Connor Hellebuck. Maybe. Just because he has been consistent, but the rest of them, no. I mean, Jacob Markstrom might actually have at least been at least coming into this year. You can make the case that Jacob Markstrom was one of the three best goaltenders in the league coming into the 2022-2023 season. He had a phenomenal year last year. But he's been very consistent as well. Yes, we've talked about it many th- – we, we have talked about it many times. I mean, he, it's one of these guys where you think he's not that – because the team he played on was not that good. But he actually has – very consistent numbers year in, year out. This year, not so much. Um, I guess, why don't we jump right into that question there? Oh, okay. um, I figured there was a segue here. <laughs> is there a... Is the goalie controversy that some people are talking about for your Calgary Flames a real thing? Statistically, I would have to say yes. Uh, I would say if there's if it's not, there should be. Where there's smoke, there's where there's smoke, there's fire. I mean, if where you look smoke, at the there's the street profits. No, oh, no, wait, sorry. <laughs> I thought that was uh, we want the smoke or something like that. <laughs> um, I mean, it, you look at the numbers and. You know how I feel about them trading away Vladar, the Bruins. Yes, I and, and I, I was very, not, very not happy. <laughs> you were more upset than I was, but I still didn't like it. Um, I I just think that I mean we got what a third round pick for him, and it was like what we're just giving him away. I don't know. I mean, partly maybe he just didn't want to be here, given how many other goaltenders they'd added recently. They rode him out on a rail. They did. They gave him the same treatment that they gave to Malcolm Subban. They threw him out there and then didn't play in front of him. He gave up seven goals or six goals, and then they rode him out of town. The uh, and went up. Oh, Swayman's definitely better. They definitely played like they didn't know what the NHL was, much less what level of hockey it was uh, in front of him. And it was gross. Um, I think that that he is better. 
looking at the numbers for the two, um, my favorite goalie stat, uh, we'll get to that in a second, but basic stats, um, Bladar in 19 games played this season has a 906 save percentage up in, uh, the great white North. Um, and Markstrom, who's got a career, nine ten save percentage, um, and that seems low, um, even though even with all of those really interesting uh Vancouver years and Florida years, um he's at he's at an eight ninety three this year. That's well below what you can expect what you can normally see from him. Um there's not really a full season where he's anything close to that. Um, but the really, really, uh, that, that stat that I love quality start percentage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a good number. Dan Vladar is at a five twenty nine. Um, that's basically league average. Um, anything above like a, a above like 60% is good. Anything below 50% is bad. Um, care to guess off the top of your head what you think Markstrom's is this year? I don't know. 42%. Uh, you are being incredibly kind. Well, I didn't want to guess the first number that came to mind. It's a 394. Wow. Okay, that's so higher than I was going to guess. He's 10% below bad, like the threshold for bad this year. Um, you know what? He's played a lot of hockey. He played 63 games out of and started all 63 last year um, in, in that first full season coming out of the lockdowns and everything. He played 43 of what the 56 games in the season before. Um, and then 43 out of the 65 to 70 that most teams played during the first lockout shortened or um, lockdown shortened season. And then 60 games and 60 games. Dude's played a lot of hockey. Yes. And, and that's because he had to, especially when he was in Vancouver. He didn't have a choice. You um, know what? Go ahead. Call up whoever the best goaltender is in your in your minor system. Um, just send Markstrom home and say, "Look, you clearly need some time off." I'm wondering this if is temporary. That's all it is, I mean, like this is temporary. You clearly need some time off. We're gonna. We don't want to see you for the next five games. Like, well, I mean, Vladar's won five in a row, so it, it's not like it, but, it's not like you're hurting yourself here. But it's still <laughs> the preparation and everything. Yeah. Um, I mean, looking at their system, they've got mm-hmm. Dustin Wolf, a uh, 21-year-old out of Gilroy, California, um, who they picked up in the seventh round in 19. Yeah. He's played 31 games for the Calgary Wranglers. Uh, this year and has a 9.28 save percentage. Pretty solid, uh, pretty solid to throw in uh, behind Vladar for a couple of games, or even have him make his NHL debut. Um, 
you've got Oscar Dansk, who people expected more of. Um, he's only gotten. I was one. Two. I was one of them. Yeah, he he came I, in for that I, he, first magical season for Vegas. Played really well, and then after that, uh, fell off a cliff. Yes, like, I, and that cliff was harsh, sudden, sharp, high, <laughs> and um, and there was probably stalagmites or stalactites at the bottom. But I'm sorry, got, I don't know which one grows up from the ground and which one comes from the ceiling. So I'm mites. glad I use both. Uh, stalagmites from the ground. Um, okay. But Calgary's got some cap space. If they bring up, if they bring up, uh, we'll, you know, we'll Calgary's cap- never going to go for this, right? Mm, I understand that they probably won't. That doesn't mean they shouldn't. I'm, again, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying Calgary's never going to go for this. But I completely agree. I mean, I think, it just it seems see, like he's, think, go ahead. I think they have a better shot of going for it than a certain team we're going to talk about to their west uh, a little bit later. Okay. But oh, here's a number. Here's a number for you. So, Vladar is a five five twenty three. I think you said, and 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 uh, Markstrom is a three ninety four quality star percentage. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the number one goaltender in the league. Care to guess what his quality start percentage is? Yes, but we're not talking about him right now. I know, but just for comparison purposes. Go for it. 867. Reasonably good. But but even if you look at his six years in Buffalo, he was a 563. I mean, it, it's not, again, it's not... It, it's a true number. I, I actually like this number, and I'm not big on advanced. I, I don't know how advanced quality start percentage is, but it's more than just save percentage and goals against number. Uh, I'm not a huge advanced stats number guy. I can't get into expected goals above average, blah, blah, blah. I, I don't understand them. I try to. What's my, what's what's your boy's career uh, quality start percentage? In Buffalo, 563. Clear. Oh, career, 602, 60, 60%. The other goaltender in Boston has a career 657. Swayman? Yeah. He didn't play six years in Buffalo. That is a number. <laughs> it is a number. But I, I, I do. I feel for Markstrom. I think that he could use a rest. I mean, he got he got abused in Vancouver. Uh, I think that he having was in Florida when they were terrible, I forgot about the Florida years. Yeah, because he came over in the Bobby Lou trade, I believe. Makes makes sense. Yeah, I I just I I feel for him. I do, and yeah, I think that he could use a little bit of a break. I just don't think Calgary's going to go for it, and. They're going but to see that they should not just because I'm saying it, but because it makes sense. It does make sense. Um, and when I figured I out and I genuinely just figured out why Dustin Wolf went in the seventh round and not higher. Oh. Um, he's five foot eight. No, he he's he's listed at six feet. Okay. 
can you would you care to guess his weight? I'm going to guess on the low side. Let's go with 165. You would be giving you would be adding a camera weight to him. <laughs> he is listed at 155. 6 feet and 155. Did they weigh him at the end of the season? Um, don't know for sure, but between being only six feet tall and weighing less than probably a third of the wives and girlfriends of the, uh, of some of the, uh, front office types. I mean, that's kind of crazy, but I can see them losing that kind of weight and based on how much they play and, and pads and. And bear in mind, this is two years after he was drafted. So mm-hmm. he was probably somewhere in the 140s two years ago, two and a half years ago. Really? He was drafted in two, 2019. No, so three years ago. Yeah. Yeah, he's probably, he's almost certainly put on you know, just a couple of pounds, just filling out. I swear they draft, they, they weighed him at the end of the year and went, this is your number for next season. Mm-hmm. Good call. Because they do. They, I mean, with all the pads that they have to wear, and, and they're on the ice the full 60 minutes. Granted, they're not always in action unless it's a really crazy night. But still, you're wearing all those pads, you're skating around, you make the save, you do this. You're going to lose some weight. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, there are guys I, I know we've talked about, uh, or Lundquist in the past, and how much fluid he would drink in order to maintain weight during the games and during the season um, because you just sweat it out. Um, what, why don't we take a look at the, um, at, on the injury front? Uh, I was a little bit surprised by this one. Um, oh, Brendan Gallagher. Uh, Brendan Gallagher's out six weeks um, yeah, with another injury. It's and sad. I'm worried was, about him. I was kind of – I was legitimately kind of hoping that um, he would end up traded to the Bruins this year. <laughs> I, I, I really, really was. Um, another major injury is Austin Matthews is going to be out uh, at least three weeks. Uh, the reigning, the reigning uh, MVP. Um, it was announced by Twitter on Twitter by Leafs PR. Um, there's news stories here, there, and everywhere. Um, it's a knee sprain. Uh, happened against the Rangers. Um, and they give, a, they give a time frame. About three weeks. Okay, I missed Or at least three weeks, rather. That's... That's significant. I, I mean, on a team that has that kind of offensive firepower, you would think it wouldn't be missed, but I think it will be. Oh, absolutely, because they don't have the defensive firepower to just tighten it up for two or three games, and yeah, or for five or six games. Toronto, Toronto and defense do not collide in the same paragraph. Maybe not in the same story. 
because uh, you look at you look at the standings and what what um just Surprise. admittedly you're talking about the Boston Bruins who have been the stingiest team in the league yeah um but Toronto's allowed 30 more goals in one more game than Boston has this year they've allowed five more goals than Carolina mm-hmm. they've allowed more goals than the New Jersey Devils or the New York Rangers um and that's that's pretty significant. Uh, I mean, of these of the teams in the top six spots in the East, only Tampa Bay has allowed more goals. Was that something you expected to say at the beginning of the year? There's a lot about the Bruins and we could do a whole show on that. There's a lot about the Bruins that we wouldn't be expected to say at the beginning of the year. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I, I'm talking about Toronto and ta- and Tampa Bay. Oh, uh, only Toronto. Tampa Bay has sco- has allowed more goals of the top six teams in the Eastern Conference than Toronto. I wouldn't have expected it. I think that ta- obviously I think Tampa Bay's defense is better than Toronto's. I know that Tampa Bay has lost. I mean, losing Mac- McDonough was losing McDonough was huge, but I think that losing losing um, Andre losing Andre Jersey. Losing Andre Pollat to New Jersey. Wow. Uh, Barkley Goudreau gone. They've lost some key 200-foot guys in that in that lineup. So yeah, I, I maybe maybe I shouldn't be as surprised, but I still think that Tampa Bay is a better team. I I would say that overall. Over the last five years, obviously, I mean, they won two, three cups. Mm-hmm. But right now, uh, all I all you need to do is look at the at the road record of the Tampa Bay Lightning, and you're talking about a team that's not going to escape the first round. But comparing them to Toronto, that's not fair because Toronto's eleven, eight, and four in, in on the road. Tampa Bay's twelve, eleven, and zero on the road. It's slightly better, but it's not. St- miles and miles a mile long stretch better it's it's pretty noticeable i don't know i see i don't barely 500 on the road Nah, i i I see i don't see it that way i I think toronto is just as bad on the road as as tampa bay is yeah but toronto's still allowed less goals six over the course of 50 games it, or in Tampa Bay's case, 48. I mean, I, I don't, I, I get what you're saying, but I'm not seeing the argument here. It, it's not significant. It's not like Toronto has allowed 110 and Tampa's allowed 140. That would be significant. A goal, you know, almost a goal per game difference. I get six goals in a matter of 50 games. Okay, yes, let's put it this way. But I, we saw Boston and Boston play Toronto a week ago. I thought it was one of the best hockey games I've seen this year, and Boston won. Nothing. Boston went into Tampa Bay yeah. and played at best a B minus Boston Bruins game. Yeah, 
and it was still a close game. I don't, I can unfortunately see if they can stay out of their own heads, a healthy Toronto team beating Boston in the second round. Wow. Now there's something that requires them staying out of their own head. I'm not saying it's likely. I'm (laughs) saying it's possible. Okay. I can't see the Tampa Bay team that we saw playing Boston's a or a minus game, much less their a plus game and beating and winning a four game series, a seven game series. Can't see it. If you're, I mean, just look at the home and away records. Boston is 16, five and two on the road. That means at worst in a seven game series where they're starting at home, Bruins split at home. Amazingly. So Tampa wins one of the games at home. Uh, or at here, which seems unlikely. But I think Boston gets ticked off. Bergeron, Marchand, Krejci go in there looking for blood. And they win both games in, in Florida. They're up yeah. three. They're now up three to one. They only have to win one more game. And... Given okay. how bad Tampa is on the road, coming back after two losses in their home uh, in their home arena, it's it's going to put some doubt in them coming back uh, coming back to Boston. I, see, and I think Toronto and Tampa Bay are interchangeable. I think you can make the same exact statements about Toronto. And you Tampa, look at their you look at Tampa their goaltending. Tampa has players who have done it. That's the difference right there, the playoff experience. And that's but, why, yes, Tampa Bay, w- I would give Tampa Bay a better shot in that scenario than I would Toronto. Toronto, they, as you said, get in their heads. Their goaltending is not significantly better. The only thing is that Brian Elliott barely plays. But Toronto's goaltending is not significantly better or worse than Vasilevsky this year. Vasilevsky is a 918 save percentage. Ilya Samsonov, Samsonov, however you want to pronounce it now, has a 916, and Matt Murray has a 911, which, wow, is actually kind of higher than I expected from Matt Murray, but okay. Uh, his goals against, not two, 2.73, Samsonov, 2.37. I just, and, and Vasilevsky is a 2.51. They're interchangeable. It's no surprise that they're second and third in the standings. They could probably flip-flop each other twice before the end of the year. I just don't see where Toronto – I don't see the argument where Toronto is a significantly better team. That's my that that's the only issue I have with the – You don't have to be significantly better to be better. Toronto has played more consistent hockey, and they're not handicapped by not being at home. And I also, but I, 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 does the Austin, Austin Matthews being out for three weeks, how much is that going to affect them in the standings? Given that there's the all-star break right in the middle of that three weeks, I think it's really only about seven, maybe eight games where you're going to have uh, to worry. And I haven't looked at their schedule hard enough to, uh, to be sure. Um, but looking at the rosters of the two, yeah, 
obviously Tampa's defense is still better. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got Hedman, you've got Sergachev, uh, you've got Cernak, um, and carefully spotted onto the ice, you've got Cole and Bogosian. Um, that certainly is better than the other guys on the other team. Um, but looking at the forward depth, Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Kerfoot, those guys are all 26 years of age or younger. They're right at the peak of their powers. I'm not calling Steven Stamkos old or decrepit or broken uh, or anything like that, but he's 32. Kucherov, who still looks solid, is 29. Yeah. And then after that, who's their next best forward? Is it Braden Point? Yes. Maybe. Uh, And then you've got... Ciarelli, uh, you've got Killorn, you've got Brandon Hagel, you've got some really good depth guys. I like Brandon Hagel so much. I I have been on that train for a little while. I know you have, so have I. Um, but probably bought tickets around the same time. I I, I think that I think that Toronto's forwards are better. Uh, well, I think as a unit, their uh, forwards Toronto, are better. Toronto's Toronto just has. I know that I'm always knocking them because they didn't build defense and I really wish they had, but you look at their offensive firepower and I just said, Nylander, Nylander, Marner, Matthews have been there. Uh, Michael Bunting is one goal away from a 20 goal season. He's got, I mean, I'm sorry. Five, he's got six goals away. I'm looking at the wrong ca- long, wrong card or wrong column. So 33, po- 33 points. He's a plus 18. Uh, like you said, Alexander Kerfoot, uh, Pierre Engvall, who is what a th- bottom six forward, has 17 yeah. points. <sighs> Their offense is strong and it runs at least three lines deep. That's what I'm saying. I think that they're, I think they're better equipped to deal with a injury to Austin Matthews than whoever you might believe is their best defensive defenseman in in uh, in Toronto. Their best defensive defenseman. The question is, do they have one? Because I'm going with Jake Muzzin. Um. So and, Jake. And Jake Muzzin Jake, has played a whopping four games this year. Yeah, he's injured, but I, I would say of the guys still on the roster, it's probably Mark Giordano at age thirty-nine. Is he a is he a defensive defenseman though? I I don't think he used to be. He might be now. I, I would say he's always been a two-way defenseman, yeah, but on this team, I would, that's how I would that classify. counts as a defensive defenseman because it's. On this team, it counts as defense because they don't have much. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm still going to take shots at them. Shall, uh, who's, the, who's the GM up there? Uh, Kyle Dubas. Kyle. Kyle. Kyle, get a defense. You're not Over going anywhere. <laughs> Kyle, you're not going anywhere without a defense. It's not a secret. You're allowed to do it. It's not. 
It's not some hidden secret that the rest of the NHL knows that you don't know. Get a defense. <laughs> then you'll be dangerous. <laughs> oh, and stop getting, stop signing Matt Murray. Although getting rid of Jack Campbell actually might have been a better idea than we all thought at the time because he's not exactly performing for Edmonton. Then again, it is Edmonton. And Edmonton's defense is um, <laughs> suspect. Probably not as good as Toronto's. Can Can I use the word suspect? <laughs> if you wish Edmonton's to be generous, defense. Edmonton's um, defense is suspect, or is Toronto's defense suspect? <laughs> well, given that given that Toronto, no, no, Toronto has allowed 135 goals yeah. to this point. Mm-hmm. Tampa Bay has allowed 141. Yeah. The Buffalo Sabres, who are in the third wild card spot, have allowed 165. Edmonton's allowed 162. Ed- Edmonton's allowed 162, and they're not even playing in the better conference. <laughs> and and by the way, they're <clears throat> they're not even are they? No, they're not even in the playoffs. Uh, no, they're in the wild cards. They're in the sec- first wild card right now. No, oh, okay. But they have a, Edmonton still manages a plus twenty five goal differential. Uh, sure, Buffalo's at plus twenty. That's but, because they can score goals. Again, when you have Kane and Drysidle and McDavid, even that, losing Kadri, you still can put the puck in the net. Again, it's another Toronto issue. I mean, Toronto again. It, it's not a secret. The people, same model forever. It's not a well, yes, even even though they've had different GMs, they still run through the same model. I thought Ken Holland was gonna fix this. Uh, yeah, I know. Well, he did it in he did it in Detroit. But did he really? I, it's not a secret. Hello, teams in the NHL. Not a secret. Defense is okay. It's not some crime. It's not a sin. You're allowed to have a good defense. <laughs> Unlike the NFL. <laughs> Not a sin. Yes, like the NFL. Oh, goodness. All right, where are we going from here? And I, I've beaten Toronto as much as I can for today, I think. Um. No, I haven't. I'm, there's probably more, but I'm trying to be nice. Before we start entirely trashing the Vancouver Canucks who I mentioned were uh, in need of a good, good thrashing earlier. Yeah. Boston hockey now uh, put out uh, an article, uh, boy wonder, Jimmy Murphy um, saying that Boston would have to part with either uh, Jake DeBrusque who has retracted his trade request or, yeah, the minute Cassidy was gone. I think he waited a full five minutes. Did he really? He actually he stopped had and had stop a, giggling. He stopped and had a cup of coffee first, made sure that he could put on a straight face. <laughs> yeah, I've been giving it a lot of thought, guys. Um, yeah, I'm sure you have. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the, the trade would have to include for Bo Horvat either Brandon Carlo or Jake DeBrusque. And... If it's a defenseman going back, and I prob- and I think that for Vancouver's point of view, 
if you're looking for a roster player off the Boston Bruins to fill in your needs. I, I really genuinely think it has to be a defenseman. And of the two players, mm-hmm. I do not see a locker room difference because I don't think that either one of these guys is a locker room leader. I'm not calling either one of them a cancer, but they're just they're part of the mix. They're not they're not the leadership. They're not the the straw that stirs the drink. Right. Um and Brandon Carlo to me makes the most sense for reasons that you probably won't hear described elsewhere. You were willing uh, to trade him before, like the beginning of the season or in the preseason. You were willing to add Carlo into a deal. I forget who it was for at this point, but, but yes, there's and there's a couple of reasons for it, which I really I was thinking about heavily right around the time that I ran into this article. Um, and it's not because I dislike Brandon Carlo. No, neither one of us do. It's because when I look at the team, um, who does just really, really, really quickly when uh, who does Matt Grizzly play best with? That's a tough one because they move um, quick. Don't think about it. Just to, just give the answer. Who's he play best with? The Hall of Famer. Okay, who's he play second best with? Lindholm. Okay, who does uh, Forbert play best with? Oh, Connor Clifton. Okay, who does he play second best with? Are we talking about this year or like all time? Just just stop. Who does does he play second best with? Uh, Carlo, I guess, because it allows Carlo to be a little bit more offensive. Derek Forbort's not really an offensive guy. Connor Clifton is. Carlo's not an offensive guy, which allows Grizzlick. I guess Grizzlick plays pretty good with Carlo, too, but they haven't really paired them up this year. I. Okay. Who does. Who do we, okay, so who does. Who does Connor Clifton play best with? Derek Forbort. Who does he play second best with? Probably Carlo. I would say Grizzly. You think so? See, I, I just I think that like they're too that much. There. I think that Grizzly is more offensive minded than people want to allow him, allow him themselves to believe. But I Connor, think the two of them, I think the two of them have a great mix of aggression mm-hmm. and awareness. Okay, fair enough. I can see that. Together. Um, if you look at Lindholm, it it probably is either him and um either. It's probably him and either Forbert or him and McAvoy as a pairing. I think that's why they pulled uh, because at at the start when McAvoy came back, they were pairing McAvoy with Lindholm. But as time has gone on, he's changed that and he now puts Carlo with Matt with Lindholm. But Carlo allows Lindholm to be more offensive minded. Yes. I honestly don't know how offensive Brendan Carlo really is. I don't think he's, he's very off. I don't think he is. No, I, I think he's. I think that him and Forbert are probably the two least offensive defensemen on the team. But I, if if you were to ask me, in my mind, watching this team play over the last since we'll call it just since the um, acquisition of Lindholm. 
Yeah. Look at the other five defensemen. I don't think that Brandon Carlo is the best chemistry mix for any of those five. I'd be, I'd, I'd kind of be inclined to agree. I think. And I don't think that he's the second best chemistry mix for more than two of those guys. Okay. It's not that he's bad, but I personally think that when you play Brandon Carlo and um, Connor Clifton together, you get the worst of both players. Yeah, I, 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 I would not pair him with it. That's why when you asked, I was like, no, I would not pair Carlo and Clifton together. And I don't even – I don't love the pairing of Carlo and Grizzly, despite the fact that I think both players contribute – you know, I don't think that anyone is failing to earn their salary on on the on the Bruins this year. Um, I've never disliked Carlo, but I think that when you look at the chemistry and how the other pairings mix, mm-hmm. he's exp- he's the most expendable, which isn't saying expendable because he's not the top or second match for most of the roster. Agreed. I can see that. Now, does that mean that Nick Wolf or Jackashan or um or Anton Strollman or Mike Riley can come in and contribute in the way that he does or at the level that he does? I would love to believe that. I don't think I do, but I would love to believe that. Um, so if a trade happens that does take Brandon Carlo out, you're probably going to want a right defenseman to come back, uh, unless you firmly believe that Jacob Zaboral can match up well with someone else on the roster and provide an equal, if slightly different contribution, because I think Jacob Zaboral definitely wants to be a more offensive defenseman than Brandon Carlo. Um, I don't know that he is a more offensive defenseman than Brandon Carlo. No, he wants to be. Um, and maybe wanting to be and playing him with Grizzly as a pair. Um, you know, you have, maybe you put um, Lindholm and McAvoy back together as your top pair. And you split the rest of the time between Forbert and Clifton as one pair and Zaboral and Grizzly as the second pair. Um, that's, the one, that's the one thing that Montgomery and the coaching staff have been consistent on is they have not split Clifton and Forbert up unless it's been because they had to double ship people because of when Carlo got hurt or something. But on a night where they have six defensemen, Forbert and Clifton – Pretty much, yeah. That's the that's the pairing that that that's because the one that he hasn't messed with. <laughs> well, we've seen we've seen Connor Clifton evolve so much this season, career highs. and some of it is just as you mentioned just pre-show. He hit his 200 game mark a couple of nights ago in San Jose. Yeah. Um. Some of it is not being punished for youthful mistakes. And some of it is just, you know, he has that great chemistry 
with with Forbert. And, you know, as he's gotten reps in the NHL and gotten consistent playing time and a consistent playing partner. Yeah. He is just like as much as I love, love, love what Trent Frederick has been doing. And let's hope that his injury isn't serious. Um, the jump, uh, no one has made a bigger jump in like completeness of game in the past, you know, 70 Boston Bruins games, uh, 70 regular season Boston Bruin games. That, 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 I'm going to say that's a, that's actually a tougher argument than you think. Cause you watch Trent Frederick and he has really turned a corner under, oh. under coil and hall. He has really turned a corner. Look, I, he's, he's like a sponge out there. It's not a secret to Chris that I bought a Connor Clifton jersey earlier this year. Yeah, I'm not happy about that, but okay. Look, you could have done it. You chose not to. I didn't choose not to. I chose to pay my mortgage. (laughs) Yeah, that's another discussion um, that I've been talking to you about for like five years. Yes, I know. I'm not. I'm not. And we don't need to have it right now. But uh, no, we don't. But it's still your choice. Yes, Connor Clifton is a jersey that I do want to get. I mean, I said it about Luch, and it never happened. Uh, I don't know why. I just never did. Uh, But Connor is definitely a jersey that I want to get. And I enjoy watching him. I have enjoyed watching him from the first time that I saw him play. And he he has has just that mix of everything. He's physical. He can score goals. Did you see that one against the Rangers? That was beautiful. I mean, what a feed from Marshan, but oh, that was that was he, he that put was that in really pretty over Shisterkin's shoulder. It's stuck in behind the center bar. It, I mean, it was goal scorer's goal. Like it, like it, like Brickley said. That's a fifty. He looks like a fifty goal scorer on this one. <laughs> uh, but it, it, Trent Frederick, yes, he's. But Trent Frederick has been this season. He's this not season, just a he's, games. He eclipsed his 60 game total for last year. Yep. Or he's he's matched it and taken his pims from his pims are on pace to be slightly lower. He's got a better plus minus. Uh, look, I I think that anyone voting for anyone other than these two for seventh player award. I mean, you can make a justification for Olmark, but you're paying him like a number one center. Goaltender. Trent Frederick and Connor Clifton are not being paid like number one centers or defensemen. No. Um, but they're playing, they're playing above their weight. So all this being said, Carlo yes. or DeBrusque, you go to, and I don't even know who the GM is. They bounced around GMs up there. I don't even know who it I is think right it's now. Alvin right now. Oh, Alvin. Yeah. Okay. Whatever his name is. Yes. You go to him and you say, Carlo or DeBrusque, you need defense. You need defense. I'm not even sure oh. I say Carlo or DeBrusque. I say, this is my package. All right. Because yeah. I'm pretty sure if you offer DeBrusque, they're going to take him. Yeah. Even though, but- even though they need the defense, and they need the defense. And, and, I mean, yes, you have Quinn Hughes. Fabulous. That's great. Who do you have after? Oh, wait. OEL? You have Ethan Bear. I, I like it. Can we get Ethan Bear back? <laughs> if they send Ethan Bear back with uh, I mean, with, with Bo Horvat, Horvat and don't take 
you know, the entire farm system. Well, I might give I might give That's Sweeney an RGE. An ex- I might give Sweeney an extension. <laughs> One year. If you um, can get Bear and Horvat for Carlo Riley Who else did we say? If I were putting the package <laughs> together right now. It would be Carlo. Yeah. Riley. Okay. Wagner. Because I think that he should be in the NHL more than even more than Riley. Um, and I did see an article that he was still annoyed. Not that I blame him for it, but still annoyed. Mm-hmm. So are we talking just Horvat or are you actually trying to get Horvat and and Bear. No, you, you had said something about getting a defenseman back. I was trying to figure okay. out how you would work that because the idea is to get Horvat. Okay, but, if it's just Horvat, I'm putting Brandon Busey on the block. He's having a great season. Wow. Um, and I think that you get – I mean, it might not work cap-wise, uh, and I think that, that you're running up against the – Contract total for no, that would actually work contract wise because they're at forty six contracts out of fifty. Okay, um, and I think that you get enough personality to stiffen up this roster. Um, you get, I, I think that Chris Wagner added back to the NHL along with Curtis Lazar and. Uh, and um, Brandon Carlo, none of them are leaders per se in my mind. I just don't but think that package dudes, moves the needle. But they're all dudes who are going to go, who are going to play their butts off. Yes. But here's the thing: Bo Horvat is not signing there. Like the, unless they offer him a league max contract. I cannot see Bo Horvat signing there. I understand that. So the, but the choice isn't the choice isn't take this pack or take or get the best package from anyone because you have all the leverage. It's get a package that gives you gives you depth and balance, a little more attitude, or a little better attitude, um, or lose him for nothing. But here's my jumping off point. Before you even get into what Vancouver wants or what they don't want or what they can expect or not, Don Sweeney does not go after Bo Horvat unless he's sure that he's going to extend him. Oh, absolutely. Uh, like, that would have to be part of the contract. I don't see it. No, I just don't think Sweeney would go after him as a rent. I, 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 I'm not trying to give Sweeney more credit than he deserves. I, I just don't think he's going to do it. I don't think he has no. the, I don't the think fortitude so. to do it anyway. But I don't think I think Sweeney makes. I think Sweeney finds really good reasons to make bad choices, but I don't yeah. think he's actually stupid. Hmm. I mean, on paper, if you ignored the playoff implications of of a certain former Columbus Blue Jacket who we <laughs> traded for with the with the uh, Rangers, yeah, ignoring the playoffs, ignoring the health questions, 
on paper, it sort of makes sense. Once you get the rest of those reasons, no, it never made sense. Um, but if like extending a guy who's young, talented and reasonably healthy as part of a trade, that's like remedial GMing. Like anyone who can't get that, it probably doesn't make it even as long as Sweeney has. Um, now, if you're if you're really, really getting Ethan Bear in that, I I would I I'd give happening. up a Ryan Mast. I would give up a um I would give up a John Beecher or even a Brett Harrison. Um, really? And I know we're gonna. I know that that's we are gonna talk about about him. Um, because I think I, that Brett I Harrison. You, big Brett Harrison. Brett Harrison moves the needle much further than it would have a year and a half ago. Yes. Um, I I don't think the Bruins can get away with giving up Fabian Lysel. I don't think they, they can get away with giving up. Uh, well, if Sweeney wanted to make it out of the building and to his vehicle in one piece, he doesn't give up Fabian Lysel. <laughs> no, I I think the. I think the roster might revolt again. <laughs> Forget the fan base. The roster might revolt again. Yeah, that, I think he's I think if there were if there was one person on the list of unavailable, it's him. And I, I don't know that you should have that kind of list, but based on the way they're playing, I think you can afford that. Um, I, think, I, I, I think that there's, I think that every team should have an extraordinarily difficult mm-hmm. to get list. Okay. I, fair, I yeah. don't think that any team should have a completely unavailable list. Yes. And I say that as someone who would never want to see Patrice Bergeron traded or who thinks that trading, um, I think that I think that Jason Robertson out of Dallas would be dumb or <laughs> or trading uh, Kucherov out of uh, although Kucherov is 29 now. So he's not it's not like he's got 12 years in front of him uh, being a peak player, but trading Kucherov out of Tampa Bay. If someone if someone claim if some if I'm the GM of Boston and someone calls me up and says, I'm going to give you this roster player that you need and two first round picks. All you have to do is send me back Fabian Lysel. I'm personally packing. I'm making the call to Fabian Lysel. while I put this guy on hold and make sure the trade goes through? So does that mean that I see that sort of trade happening? No. So Jim Neal would basically have a, resume generating event if he were to move Jason Robertson? In a rational world, yes. <laughs> but it it all it always depends on what the return is. Like So Jason Robertson's not on the unavailable list. He's on that uh what did you say? Extremely difficult to get list. Yes. Okay. Now the caps have I mean the stars have almost no cap space this year. Um Yeah, no, that's uh, you. 
their projected cap space does isn't even enough to sign like league minimum. No, well, I mean, prorated over the rest of the season, yes, but like otherwise, no. Um, but okay, just for the giggles for Jason Robertson. <laughs> Don't get me all excited. And I'm not even talking from a Boston Bruins standpoint. I'm going to look at one of the other interesting teams in the Eastern Conference who I've been pretty high on this year. Okay. Ring, ring. Uh, Jim Nill. Hey, uh, glad to talk to you. It's Kevin Adams. Hi, Kevin. How's it? How's it? How are you doing up there in frigid Buffalo? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, look, uh, I need to make the playoffs this year or I don't have a job. Yeah, I've been there, done that. I know. I, I know how that feels. OK. Um, so here's uh, here. here Here's what I'd like to do. Uh huh. Wow. Are they unbalanced? <laughs> Are you going to actually say that to Jim Nill? <laughs> um, here's what I want to do. Kevin, you're breaking up. Yeah, it, people keep running into uh, into the into the telephone poles down here, so everything goes out here and there. Really? Okay. What I want to do? Yeah. Um, you need some cap relief. I've yeah, got we're, we're, we're kind of up against it, but we got a decent team down here. So, you know, it is what it is. I know that it's a little troubling. Yeah. Why? What you got? Uh, I need some cap space. So what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Is. Get you some youth, get you some cap space. You just can't. You, you see, you can't even say it because you know it's ridiculous offering something for Jason. You can't even say it. But go ahead. I, I'm trying to find something useful to offer on the team that's not. <laughs> um, I'm just waiting to hang up. So go ahead. I'm just, okay. <laughs> so here's the here's what I'm going to offer you. Mm-hmm. I got this great Swedish winger. Swedish 23 goals in 49 games this year. Really? Yeah. Um, another young winger out of Germany. Um, this is his first full season, but he's going to be great. I know he is. John Jason Petrica. And my personal favorite, my wife, my wife is going to uh, probably kick me out of the house for a week. Uh, if, if I make the trade, Ottawa's own 21-year-old uh, winger had two of the prettiest goals this season in the entire league, Jack Quinn, and three first-round picks for Jason Robertson. Click. No, three first-round picks? Uh when am I getting these three first round picks? 24, 26, 25. 24, 25, 26. How come I'm not getting your 23 pick? Because you're still going to make the playoffs for sure. I'm not sure about us. 
but you're supposed to be making this worth my while. Jason Robertson, may I add, because, you know, it's Jason Robertson. And yes, don't take it as any kind of sign that I waited until, oh, I don't know, literally the last minute to sign this kid. It was a it was a matter of we had to make sure we had enough money and we wanted to make sure that we paid him handsomely. But here's a kid who is going to completely revamp. Oh, wait, I know. There is one way we could swing this deal. But it doesn't help you. You got a big kid up there. Got some size to him. Can put the puck in the net. You take off J.J. Paterka, you include Tage Thompson, deal's done. You know I'm not allowed to make that trade. It's in my contract. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I know that the Taylor Hall deal burned you, and now you're, you know, once bitten, twice shy. I get it. How about Alex Tuck? You know, I like Alex. He was good out in Vegas. 54 points in 49 games this year. Six foot four, 220 pounds. Instead of Paterka. How much extra money are we talking about? Because as you said, things are a little tight. And I'm giving you a guy who's got, oh, I don't know, 66 points in 51 games, including and and it's split pretty evenly. So this guy is not just a goal scorer. He's got 33 and 33. It would be tough. It would be, again, either one of those guys, Tage Thompson or Jason Robertson. They're both on the extremely Difficult to move list. I, and yes. I, I, I'm not I, saying I, that it's not possible. Three first round picks is, I mean, that'd be tough to scoff at. The problem is that as you're getting better with Jason Robertson, those first round picks become worth less. Yes and no, because if you trade those picks immediately to someone who wants them now uh, or needs them for leverage in, a, in their own trade now, um, well, that's, that's what Jim Nill says. I'm not saying no, but I'm, you know, let me dwell on it a bit, hangs up and then starts calling around to see if he could move those. Absolutely. Um, so, no, I get where you're coming from. And by the way, I actually like that segment. They did that on a show that I used to listen to on the radio, and I actually like stuff like that. So maybe we should do that a little more often. We should do that next week. We'll have to figure out who else is uh, on that extremely difficult to move list. Let's play GM. <laughs> um, we'll call it make it happen. Okay, fair enough. We can give it a try. Um, so Just John like Fisher try to get Jason Robertson. John Fisher tweeted or retweeted Elliot Friedman's uh, tweet that Vancouver, uh, Vancouver GM. Patrick Alvinen has announced that Ilya Mikheyev uh, has been shut down because he needs ACL surgery. I read something about that. This is an ACL injury that has been going on since everyone looks at the calendar. Say it. Say it. It's either late January or early February, depending on when in the week you listen to this. This injury has been going on since since September. I'm not mistaken. Tem, 
Burr. If I'm not mistaken, it was the 25th that he actually suffered the injury. So training camp three weeks before the season started. But he needs to be he needs he needs surgery and he needs to be shut down now. Um, now October, October, November, November, December. So that's like four months. Four months. And Could you be skating on an, a partial ACL tour, a partial partial ACL tear for four months? Probably not. Now, That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> now, two weeks ago, the two of us were talking about Tanner Pearson's season-ending injury and how Quinn Hughes was upset that it hadn't been handled right, an injury that had been going since November. And I guess I shouldn't be surprised then. So what did I ha- what do I have uh this story under for a header on, in our uh in our show map? Oh yes. Oh yeah. Oh wait, 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 wait. Uh Knuckleheads, yeah, cuz that's Yeah. Probably the way they're running this organization. Oh my goodness. Did they hire the same doctor the uh, same doctor who did um Tarasenko's surgeries wrong twice? Nah, probably the guy that diagnosed um uh, Jack Eichel, Eichel and then said that all he needs is a little bit of rest. I, like, seriously, how do you get this bad? I, I just don't understand what Alvin and the Alvin and the chipmunks are doing up there in Canuckle in Canuckleville. There's, I really don't get it. I mean, you can't you can't botch this any more than you already have. And then this comes out. And you know what? I'm not going to take it back, but I'm I'm going to add some doubt to something I said a couple of weeks ago. I said that I'm not sure I want anyone on this roster really badly. I don't know that it's possible to actually view this team, and by the team I mean definitely the players, through a accurate, clear lens, given how badly management is bleeping up on a regular basis. I'm thinking I'm thinking any trade incorporating Bo Horvat doesn't happen unless there's a physical involved by our doctors or by whatever team is acquiring him's doctors. I would say that for any player on that roster, like I, I yeah, any player. Seriously. It, Even if they played the last 85 NHL games in a row. How do you how do you botch this this badly? I don't I I don't understand it. I I don't get it. I don't You can't make this decision and the guy gets hurt in preseason if you had done Again, kind of like Eichel, if you had done the surgery when it first needed to be done, he would have been back playing at the beginning of the next year at the very latest or, or whatever it was. But you waited until all through summer and then he missed like what the first half of that season last year or whatever it was. If you had done this surgery in the preseason when it happened, yep. you'd have, he would have been back what? February, Mar- I mean, does it make sense to shut him down anyway? I, 
it, the point is that you let the kid play on a partial ACL tear. Yeah. This is dumb. Like, there's no way around this. And I'm sorry, but uh, and as the old saying goes, crap does roll downhill. So you want to turn around and try and blame the doctor who said that, oh, well, he probably just needs it. No, you're the general manager. You're in charge. You need to make these decisions. Uh, you can't uh, let like, somebody go out there and as play. As a general manager, as any sort of leader, the most important decision make you decisions you can make is who you trust to feed you information and advice. Yeah. Period. Um, I don't I don't think whatever doctor is doing this should be practicing medicine (laughs) (laughs) on earthworms. (laughs) Okay, Um, Jim Jim Montgomery did issue an update on uh, Jake DeBrusque, um, and this was ahead of calling up. Uh, the local boy out of Bill Ricca, but uh, Jim Montgomery issued an update saying, I think he starts, this was back on the 23rd. Um, mm-hmm. He has to check some boxes in order to come back and he could be back. So Jake DePress could be back soon. And that's, that's really good. Uh, Cause we were expecting. Well, wasn't uh, it supposed to be like a four, a four week, four to six week, four week thing, something like that. I know that he, Yes, it, it was something. supposed to be. I thought, it was his, I thought it was his hand. It was he had two injuries. Um, it was the hand injuries and a lower body injury that they never talked about. Um, oh, it was the broken fibula. That was a, that was what it was. Unscheduled um, with his recovery. Uh, I just. Uh, it'll be good to see him back in the lineup. It, it, it puts everybody kind of back in their perspective places on the, on their perspective lines. Yes. I really, really wanted to see Marshand and Hull together playing well. We haven't seen that yet. Um, but it will be good to have DeBrusque back, maybe for Carolina, maybe not until after the All-Star break. Um, I mean, I certainly don't want to. Uh, I certainly don't want to. Rush him back and have him get injured again. Um, we've seen guys break, bo- break the same bone uh, on it. Yeah, twice well. in the same year. Um, see Steven Stamkos. Um, didn't he, didn't he do it, or did he do it in separate years? But I think he did it in separate years. Um, my my thought process my thought process on this is you've got nine days off for the All Star game, All Star break. Bring him back afterwards. I'd like to see him on the ice, but do we need to be rushing him back because it's Carolina and we have a chance of losing? <sighs> I don't. I I think I'm. I think I'm okay with waiting until after the All Star break to bring him back. Uh, I I think it's probably safer. Yeah. So this week, 
Um, a couple. We actually had an interesting trade. Not a major trade, obviously, because it would have been all over every news station, or at least everything that covers hockey, the only stations I watch. Um, Matt Nieto and Ryan Merkley uh, went from San Jose to Colorado. And the Denver Post thinks that this was a great deal for the apps. Um, they start off their reasoning, uh, and this is Bennett Durando's uh, article from the 27th um, at 5.45 a.m. The, the Matt Nieto trade was a steal. Martin Kraut and Jacob McDonald have been on waivers this season. Any team could have snatched either of, either of them for free, and Colorado was fine with that, but both cleared. Um, breaking down the trade, uh, McDonald for Nieto, then Kraut for Merkley. The top half of the trade successfully filled Colorado's biggest need. Players who can score. Um, yes, Nieto is still a depth player at this point, but he's going to cross. He may well he he'll probably cross twelve fifteen goals. Um, but that's what but that's what he was when he was there. He's a bottom six forward. He gives you a little bit of added scoring punch. Uh, he's not a small individual. I mean, I. I like that. I like getting Nieto back for Colorado. I think that that's a. I think that's a good get. Nieto. The article goes on to say Nieto is a is a is a strong penalty killer. Yep. A responsible two way guy. Um. And then they start talking about. Oh, Horvat. <laughs> Everybody. Horvat to, is the linked to Bo Horvat months, right now. So. Possibly the flavor of the season. Yeah, you think? And putting Bo Horvat at a reasonable salary, good salary, maybe a bridge. I don't know if he's at 20 going into being 28. I don't know if he's going to be willing to sign a bridge contract. Uh, like or and I'm not sure I would want to risk signing him to only a two year deal. Um. But you're sliding if you're sliding him into your center spot behind Nathan McKinnon and you have a reasonably healthy team, which they haven't had all year. Um, and you can put Bo Horvat out there with Gabriel Landeskog on his left wing, your top line being McKinnon and Rantanen. Um you have a lot of options for how you configure the rest of your top six and then your third line. And that sounds like a lot of fun to me. I mean, as much as I would love to see Bo Horvat in Boston from like a fun hockey perspective. Yeah, yeah this could work. And him and McKinnon are the same age. Uh, mm-hmm. He'd, he'd slap her in right like dead center of the of the age uh, bracket there. You look at their top center, uh, their top forwards, Ranton in 26, McKinnon 27, Nikushkin 27, Lekin in 27, Comper 27. Um, and I believe that of that group, um, yeah, of that group, uh, Landis Gog is the creaky old uh, gray beard at 30. Yes. 
Um, but even even for the younger guys, you got Alex Newhook, who's 22. Um, you still got some years left in this team if you can get that 2C spot filled. Um, not sure what's happening with their young, de- uh, with their injured young defenseman. Um, but they're Bowen, probably going to Bowen Byram, Josh Manson and Bowen Byram. Bowen Byram. I don't know what his injury is now. I know that he does suffer from migraines and they can be debilitating, which is not good for a hockey player. Oh, it, yeah. I don't know if he's, I haven't heard anything on him in a long time at this point. Oh, actually, um, CBS Sports and Colorado Hockey Now both reporting for that he could be back after the All-Star break. Excellent. Good for him. Very good for him. Uh, I, I I know what the migraine thing is all about, and I can't imagine trying to do that under bright spotlights every night on the and with the physicality it, that that goes on in a hockey game. I mean, eek. Yeah. So, Bo Horvat going. Uh, my first thought was, is Joe Sackick going to pull the trigger. I mean, can he pull that trigger? There's obviously there's cap implications, uh, but Colorado is not. No one has cap space at this point. Like no one. They are either going to have to push a couple of people down to the minors uh, for a couple of weeks um, until the postseason starts, or they're going to have to move uh, someone out for, for cap space. Because uh, they've got Landeskog on long-term injured reserve. Um, he's got a full no movement, so you're not moving him. Uh, Josh Manson, he's at $4.5 million, but he's on injured reserve. He's got a no-trade clause. Um, actually, it doesn't begin until next uh, season. But Okay. And what about what about the uh, gunslinger up there in Minnesota, who's not afraid to pull the trigger? Is Minnesota even in the Bo Horvat? I think everybody should be in on Bo Horvat. I mean, everyone should be, but um, I don't think that uh, looking at Minnesota, they are in possibly the worst cap situation of anyone. So I I can't see them being oh, able to Bill. put together a credible offer. Bill, what have you done, Bill? Oh no, no, no. most of that is legacy of the other. Uh, of the previous GMs. Oh, okay. Don't, don't forget that you've got the suitor and um, <laughs> why am I blanking on his name? Contracts. Suter and Parise? Suter and Parise. Matching uh, contracts so they could come home to Minnesota. Home to Minnesota where they lasted like five years and four of them they were bad. I thought it was longer than five, but yeah, I get your point. And Parise wasn't. Um, I think the first couple of years of the deal, Parise was okay, but I think he he had back injuries or whatnot. I think Suter was good longer, and that's why he's still playing in Dallas. 
Both of them got bought out. I mean, Parisi's on the island, isn't he? Oh, that's right. I keep forgetting that. That's because, be because the Islanders have been the most invisible team of the season <laughs> this year. Um, I was thinking it was because Parise was being invisible, but two real quick uh, hitters, um, yep. Boston Bruins prospects, uh, Justin Brazo uh, inside the rink has a really interesting little piece on him uh, warming up and they've termed him a late bloomer. He's 25. Uh, I'm sorry. He's 25. Uh, did I miss him? No, wait a minute. I'm thinking of someone else, aren't I? But having his best season um, as a pro this year and just really filling out his game, uh, it's worth a read. Well, he's filled out his body. Six foot five, 245. Damn. Getting getting your body balanced, uh that that does help. Uh this year in Pravi, he's uh he's got twelve goals, twelve assists, twenty-four points in thirty-seven games. Um he should easily eclipse his twenty-one twenty-two season, uh where he had uh fifteen, sixteen, and thirty-one in fifty-one games. Um as you said, six foot five, uh, two hundred and forty-five pound right winger out of uh, New Lykesgird, Ontario, and he will turn twenty-five uh, in about three days on the second. Um, I undrafted kid, so you don't hear nearly as much about them. He had a good overager season. Uh, he had a solid draft year season. Overage player of the year, so um, pretty good. <laughs> and that's why I mean that's obviously why he got a contract. But yeah, definitely late bloomer because his his uh, his draft year seventeen eighteen was basically his first like. The first sort of season you would get noticed playing in the in the Ontario League. You would think with his size that he'd get noticed, but uh, I mean, that's a that's a big boy. Out now he had that, to have been a beanpole. That's a that's a that's a big boy. Six book five, two forty five. If I mean all be if it's all beef, not afraid to go in the corners. I mean, right winger. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Definitely something to keep an eye. Someone, excuse me, to keep an eye on. Only one Bruins forward has more goals than him this year, and that's uh, Vin, uh, and that's Providence Bruins, um, and that's Vinny Letary, who is a couple of years older, uh, out of Michigan. Good for him. I hope he succeeds. Nice to see. Absolutely. And we've talked uh, we've talked about him a couple of times here on the show um, back in what was it, December? You said he had a his first OHL hat trick. We talked about him on the December 11th show. He had he had he had had, he had scored his first hat trick. Yep. Well, Brett Harrison, now 19 ish, uh, 19 or so years old, uh, was traded a couple of weeks back for a absolute busload of of picks. 
<laughs> seriously, go look up the trade, folks. It's absolutely silly. He responds by about a week later having a five-point game. A hat trick, two assists. Um, it just just a great, great game. Um, it's good to see for him. It's obviously good if you're a... Uh, if you're a Spitfires fan, um, uh, I can't wait to see what he does a little bit later in his career. I mean, I I hope that he gets that playoff time that is so crucial to de- player development. Yes. But to have to be having those kind of games, I mean, it, clearly his development, his 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 arc is is rising. On, on the up and up. I mean, it, it's nice to see, and I hope it continues. And and for me, it's happening at the right time. Like, if yes. he can still do that while he's, I guess, a young overager, um, because he was, um, it's more important or projects better than if he has a great year when he starts the year at 20. Um, and more important than if he comes in and has a great OHL campaign. Uh, or AHL campaign in this first year. Um, I like this. I want to see more. Um, and good luck to him. Did you did you mention it was the highest scoring game that Windsor has been involved in since September 21st, 2019? I did not mention that, but thank you. <laughs> I mean, well, when you're talking about you know Brett Harrison being involved in an, in an eight to seven. In, you know, eight to seven game and they win, they beat the Barry Colts. I mean, nice to mention, nice to mention that it's, it, it's a high scoring game for them. Unfortunately, they did give up seven goals. So I'm wondering uh, some things about this team, like how good is their defense? How good is their goaltending? But clearly their goal scoring, which our boy Brett Harrison is a part of is okay. Yep. What is this thing? I, I don't know how much time we have left, if we have time for this, or if we should just move it to next week. What is this thing about Cassidy? Oh, Cassidy, yes. Um, Shall we just move that? Is that going to take a few minutes? Um, oh, why don't we squeeze it in? Um, okay. We're at – actually, you know what? I would rather move that real quick. Uh, That's fine. Never mind. I know, we're, I know we're running tight on. I know we're right on t- running tight. By the way, everybody, don't forget the bean pot. Bean pot is coming up, and uh, spoiler alert: BU is winning. Spoiler alert: BU is winning. And we know I'm a Huskies. Uh, we know I, I I like the Northeastern Huskies a lot, but BU is well, one of the one of the best teams in hockey this year. Northeastern Huskies. Yeah, they they were fun to watch when they had uh, Caden Primo and Gaudet and Dylan Sakura and <laughs> or should I ju- I should just stop. <laughs> you should just stop. They were fun um, to watch. I I just it, BU it it's almost like a I don't want to say it's a foregone conclusion, but to always just hand it to BU. 
Is BC just not that good this year? I haven't seen, I haven't heard much about Boston College. So just look at the hockey standings. <laughs> oh. Well, this um, is Division Men, one Division Men's poll that I'm looking at, and it's got BU up in fourth. Wow. Connor Clifton would be thrilled, though. Quinnipiac in third. Yes, yes, yes. Harvard so, in 10th. Back. Back to oh, back to the other thing, because we can talk about uh, we can talk about the bean pot next week because it won't start until it's the okay. first Monday, first and second Monday of the month. Yes. Um, since Cassidy, uh, Cassidy is uh, Vegas Golden Knights. As of the time this article was written, uh, and it's a story by Adian Champion, um, written on the 28th. For the seventh straight game, four of the Vegas Golden Knights' top five goal-scoring leaders this season, Riley Smith, Jack Eichel, Jonathan Marshall, and Chandler Stevenson, have failed to find the back of the net. Um, that's a weird slump. For that many players. And for it to coincide, it's probably something beyond just the individual players or even the individual players playing together. And I got to Cassidy's quotes, and I'm like, if he talks like this in the locker room, but I don't get it. But this so, is okay. But how do you not get it? This is why he's not in Boston anymore. But no, I don't get why people think he's a good coach. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I don't see what's not to get. He's our, the man was throwing his team under the bus here in Boston all the time. And now, and now he's doing it again in Vegas. So here's the thing. So Vegas should not be surprised by this because there's past history to go on. But here's what he said. Frustration, like I said, is a useless emotion. No, it's not useless. It's what you do with it. It's what yes. you do with your anger. It's what you do with your your imposter syndrome or your your embarrassment or your fear or your anxiety. It's what you do with the energy that's important. Did you just call just him an imposter? I did not say that. I said imposter syndrome. It's one of those things. But oh, okay. anyways. All right. Go ahead. You've got to play through it. you got to find a way to help the team win. We got a goal today. If we were a little tighter in front of our own net in that first period, a little more urgency playing the puck. Uh, both the goals started with some plays. I think we could have been cleaner. Well, then maybe you afford a way to get out of it with a low scoring game. That that uh, that's kind of what was in front of us. Wait, wait. He basically just said none of our guys did anything. And we can't score. Both 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 the goals started with some puck plays. Like, All goals start with some puck plays, unless it's just a, a, a stolen, broken up pass, which is still a puck play. I'm sorry. I just specific <sighs> like seriously. 
be specific. I'm just thinking if you're gonna call out your team, if you're gonna call out your team, you may as well at least let them know why you're doing it and not give like, them some generic BS. It's like if you're standing in your kitchen and you say, "Yeah, go get some of the white stuff because we're gonna make some cookies." Do you want flour, sugar, salt, baking? milk, salt. baking powder, mm-hmm. baking stuff, uh, soda, cornstarch? Um, the white stuff, you know. Do you want some of the canned frosting to put on that, uh, on those cookies? Be specific. Wait, but he did get specific because it says he goes on to say, and the power play. They're all guys that play on the power play, and that has not been taken away from them. Uh, whatever, I, you know, it's. But so at the end there. of the day, a little bit of that becomes on the individual to sort through it, work to get. So he still he he starts out okay. I'm gonna call out the power play and then kind of do it drift off. Well, he's calling them out oh, okay. and then he's threatening to take them away and uh, take the power play time away in the same breath. But he's also, but more importantly, and this is, this is why I feel that so many young players and not so young players have done better when they get away from him. Jake DeBrusque. He's not giving any sort of specific direction. Nope. It's on the individual player to sort it to sort through it. What? I thought it, I thought that was the coach's job to direct a player and direct a roster in the right direction. Well, it, it it's just the coach. The coach's job is not to actually coach. Come on now. Oh, they're basically it's, just there for press conferences and in-game interviews. They're there to deflect and answer questions and throw people under the bus. And, oh wait, no, that's the wrong. Oh, okay. It makes more sense. But, you know, I said it. This guy had no system when he was here. The Bruins were a bunch of. I said that 20 games into Cassidy's tenure in Boston. Yes. The guy had no system here. He was just not. we've, We've talked ad nauseum about the fact that he lingered in the AHL for. A dozen and a half for um, for over a dozen years after his last head coaching gig in the NHL with Washington. There's a reason that nobody's bringing him up, but yet we brought him up. He didn't even get an he didn't even get an assistant man assistant coach's job in over a dozen years in the NHL. Yes. Oh. Um. So. It, I just I don't. And then he comes up and, yes, he wins coach of the year because the team, despite him, goes on and has wins the president's trophy or, you know, it, it makes it to the Stanley Cup final, although that's not supposed to be involved in the awards that are issued as they're issued out. I, I just I, I don't know what people see that they think that this guy is a. Good coach. I mean, how, as you said, the the young guys that leave. You got Ryan Donato. You got DeBrusque, who immediately, almost immediately, pulled it, rescinded his trade request. You got Clifton, who's playing well here. Lausanne's gone on. He's playing down in in Nashville now. Trent uh, Frederick. Trent Frederick is blossoming. <sighs> Seriously, folks. Uh, What's going on here? Clearly, there's something up. If the young guys are moving away and playing better, uh, you got the guys who are here playing better. There's only one. 
there's only one uh, connecting dot here. Yep. And that, hockey fans. Oh, pop quiz. Trivia question. Oh, I like trivia. Sometimes I'm good at it. Some fans will know this one. Uh, what do Stefan Richer and Peter Svoboda have in common with Europe Slavovsky and Owen Beck? Stefan Riche? Um, probably yes. <laughs> what was the other name? Peter Svoboda. Yes. Wait, didn't these guys all play for Montreal? More specific. Oh, that's cheating. I got the answer right, and you can't admit it. it no, you didn't. <laughs> They all play. They're all forwards for Montreal. Mm, I, something more specific. Uh, players on a roster are forwards for a team. That's really not a very useful guess. Damn. Well, if I knew more about Owen Beck, that might help. Yuris Lokovsky. Were they all number one picks or first round picks by the. By. See, I don't know Owen Beck, and I don't think he was a first-round pick by Montreal. But Actually, I think he was, but um, that's not it either. Okay. Um, these are Owen Beck and a year of Slavovsky. Is he out injured first? right now? Sorry, I didn't mean to throw you off. Go ahead. Owen Beck and Yurov Slavovsky yeah. uh, became the first 18-year-old pair of forward of players to play together for the Montreal Canadiens since the 84-85 season when Richard and Svoboda played together. Oh, cool. Near, that's a long time. That would that actually would take somebody more connected to, more tied into the Montreal fan base. I, I, that, that's deep. That's a fascinating little bit that uh, I like was... That was tweeted out by uh, NHL public relations. Um, I, 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 it's amazing to me that as many as deep into their prospect system as Montreal has gone a couple of times, that this is actually the first time that's happened in longer than any active NHL player has been playing. I mean, you're talking nearly 40 years. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. Uh, and so that, ladies and gentlemen, is where we'll leave you. Have a great week. Enjoy the hockey. Um, get ready for the All-Star break. We will be here. We will talk a little bit about All-Star weekend. We will talk about the men's bean pot, the women's bean pot. Uh, we'll probably pick up some PHF stories and uh, speaking of women in PHF, keep your eyes on Nesson if you're in the New England area. They now carry the PHF, the Boston Pride and PHF games. Woohoo! Um, better still, we will also uh, bring that Be the GM, Make It Happen uh, seg- segment next week. I am sure we will find an interesting and nearly unmovable <laughs> player to talk about. Fair enough. Um, Take care.